Well, I'm going to start this show, this part of Organic Matters, talking about something, again, that's not right online with us, but it is. It has everything to do with the environment and everything to do with, with sustainable living, as well as, of course, I always talk about gardening on the show. I did that in another quarter already. But uh, Monday, this past Monday's Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp outage proved we are ever more dependent on information technology for everything. Entertainment, work, basically interhuman connection. But what is the, the real environmental climate cost of all these viral videos, group chats, and everything? I think you're going to be a little bit surprised. I certainly was. The latest study I could find Okay, it was last month, showed that the carbon footprint of the information, you're going to like this word, folks, information, communication, technology, ICT. That, folks, is the new fancy name, for some reason, for the internet. But that use is even higher than previously estimated and is only going to continue growing because if nothing changes, it's, it's an ever-growing part of our society. The study involved about three major studies that had been assessing the ICT emissions since back in 2015. ITC's share of a global greenhouse gas emission currently is estimated at about 2.8-3%, but when considering the full supply chain impacts and emissions, they found that this share actually lies somewhere closer to 4%. Now, to me, that didn't seem like a big contribution when I compare it to things like our heating and electricity takes about 25% of our global emissions up. Agriculture and land use, not much, not very far behind, about 24%. And transportation, the one we work on or are currently trying to get into electric cars, for instance, is about almost 15%. However, the revised estimate puts the internet, ICT emissions, above the contribution of worldwide, for instance, the aviation industry, which is just only around 2%. And it appears that the emissions will continue to rise under current conditions for sure. The ITC study shows that the emissions were both higher than estimated and likely to increase way faster than was originally considered. First, kind of a definition for a new term. They call it the rebound effect. The rebound effect is the term for for what happens when improving the efficiency of a product or a technology, ITC, and it leads to an increase in demand, offsetting any energy savings the efficiency might have brought forward. This is what happens throughout the history of ITC, and there's just no reason to believe that it's going to stop anytime soon. And the studies kind of downplay the trends. Current studies tend to either minimize or ignore three main growing trends in the ITC sector. The Internet, artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, that's, that's kind of a blockchain they call it, and the papers reviewed in the study only looked briefly at AI and IoT and not at all at what a blockchain is. A blockchain is only where where certain information takes a whole lot more energy to communicate to the public than you think. An ideal example we'll talk about in in a moment is Bitcoin. 
Let's look at Bitcoin a little bit. I'm not very technically into this, but I do kind of understand. The emissions from blockchain have generated a lot of attention in recent years because of the rise of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is kind of a, there's a fancy word now, cryptocurrency that uses a blockchain to add transactions to a digital ledger. Sounds very fancy. But what these Bitcoin miners are doing is actually solving extremely complex computer problems to conform and make blocks of transactions and in addition they get rewarded with digital coins. However, what's not been taken into account is the computing power needed to solve these problems is extremely energy intensive. In fact, the yearly electricity consumption of Bitcoin rivals that of some small countries totally. As of Monday a week ago, the blockchain's energy use set at 102.3 tera hours. Think about this. In that same period of time, that's more than Portugal, Chile, or the whole country of New Zealand used at the same for the whole country in the same time period. Well, I'm not into Bitcoin. I kind of understand it, but sometimes I don't think I do. The point of me bringing this up because of the the uh, last Monday's Facebook and everything that went down and how much it affected the world economy was not even completely realized. Some of the third world countries, especially those that are not as in touch, the only the only way they even communicate is WhatsApp is their big one. I happen to have friends in Italy, and that is their, their biggest single communication chain. But some of the other countries have nothing. Syria and some of the places that, that really need to still be in communication with the world, when, when that was down for six hours, there was zero communication, even from hospital to hospital or for any other reason. They, they totally rely on that system and... That we need to have some alternatives. You know, we are part of it. Yes, we're not as dependent on it here. But it's, I just found it interesting, not just that it was so, so necessary to keep kind of the wheels turning, but what was amazing to me is the immense amount of power. Come on, when one, when one entity can use in a single time period as much or more power uh, to compute than a whole country like New Zealand, then something's a little out of balance. So just to throw it into organic matters as food for thought, even me sitting here doing this show and transporting it to 10 or 15 podcasts, it all starts to, I don't see the reflection of all that cost, but it's got to be somewhere. So anyway, we won't uh, go any further with this. But I thought it's just something to think about that at least I never put my, my brain around till this, this event last week. But we do need to learn to realize that all of this is a part of the big picture. As, as we are trying to get to all electric cars and totally change our power structure in the next 20 or 30 years. It's not going to happen overnight, folks. To go to all renewable resources, which now absolutely shows to be totally a, a possible situation that especially the oil companies sure didn't want to talk about a decade ago. So as we approach that, we need to approach it that every bit of this is, is a part of it. It's back to the old theory I've been playing with for over a way over a decade just on this show 
If every one of us just changed one LED light bulb for a regular one in the whole world, we could change the whole electric structure a few percentage points. So when you say, well, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You can, you can buy that LED and get rid of that tungsten to get rid of that. Be careful with the fluorescents. Don't dump them in the trash. And, and, and then you go to more efficient, the newest air conditioners. I have a 15 or 12 year old air conditioner in one of the places that I, I stay. And the difference in the use of electricity from the new five star high rated ones versus the one I've got would basically cool my house almost exactly, or that structure, the same for about half the power that that air conditioner that was built a decade or 12 years ago uses. Think of in that times a few hundred million homes. So yes, you can do your part. A hybrid car, well, it's only a step in the right direction, but used properly. Um, a lot of people that come, most of them, almost all of them now go 30, 40 miles on a, on a, uh, before you even go on a gas engine. Some far, far farther than that. But what if you only do 20 miles a day, five days a week or six? You plug in it in for a buck or two. Yes, here's the bad news. If the electricity you're getting still from fossil fuel, you're still connected to a problem. But that's going to change too. Right now in a number of cities, one that I've again, live in sometimes, I pay a little extra fee to commit to the money that is being made from, in this case, wind power, in some parts of the country, solar power. And as we all convert that, there'll be less and less use of the fossil fuel. So you are, you are helping, even if you say, well, I'm paying a little extra. It's very little, believe me, it doesn't up your bill, but a few percent. But do that at times, again, a couple hundred million homes. So each one of those is a contributor. And, and most people don't, don't put it in that frame. They don't want to mess with it. They say it's, and I don't know if it's to defend themselves. Well, it's, it's, I just can't do anything. It's just beyond my, my uh, I just can't be enough help to, to even consider. No, it's the other way around. My old saying I've done two dozen times and from my childhood days in the South, my mama listened to a guy named Oral Roberts and it was a religious show. Oral Roberts University is still in Oklahoma, pretty successful. It was a little unusual. He thought he could heal people by putting his hands on them, things I didn't believe in. But what he always said at the beginning and the end of the show is if everyone lit one little candle, what a bright world this would be. Just think about that. If everybody just changed out one little LED till they had them all changed out in the house, how much energy we would save on a national basis. Think about it. Let me change subjects here just for the last minute or two. I'm not going to make this a long thing. But one of my favorite animals I've studied, I've been around. Uh, I even had a friend that had one that he raised till he could turn it loose are beavers. They were really much maligned back back until maybe the turn of the last century. They were basically wiped out almost to extinction for their fur back before. And, and nobody then took the time to realize how important they were to the environment, especially in the western part of the United States. Well, now we're putting them back. And you should see the difference. There's a great PBS show on beavers. Leave it to the beavers. <laughs> you got to see it if you're a nature nerd. What they have done to restore 
the wetlands out in the in the especially in the Rocky Mountain areas is beyond belief in a matter of they really started putting some back in, in way back in the 40s so it's been 70 80 years but for a while there were none there for for the hundred years in between they have made uh, small paradises and now that we're having these extended droughts and our weather's changing so much they are the last stronghold and they're giving water, maintaining water for species that couldn't exist where they existed for millions of years if it wasn't for the beavers and their dams. And you need to rethink because, oh, well, they're going to flood our land. Sometimes that has to be for the good of everything around them. So something totally different, but that's how I do this show. And I think you're going to appreciate if you take uh, 45 minutes, uh, you'll have a whole new respect for another great uh, kind of uh, living mammal that's probably done a heck of a lot more good for us than we ever, ever realized. Thanks for listening to Organic Matter.